What's up, I Crying Corners family? We are in season eight. This is Chadi dissecting the ways of the church. Uh, and those ways should look like love, um, being led of the spirit, being salt, flavorful in our lives and our words and our actions, and functioning from a healthy place of rest and real community. I'm going to explain this more as we continue on through this season. But today we're in episode two, the ways of the spirit. Let's jump right in. Things you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, um, this is a podcast for imperfect people, and uh, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. The church, the bride of Christ, is in disarray. Uh, This is not a new thing, just a very visible thing. If you go back into our church history, you will find this uh, cyclical attack and corruption of the bride isn't new. It's actually just really super visible because of technology. Um, I felt the need to talk through what I believe the church should look like um, as a follower of Jesus, as a person who's serving in the local church, Um, a person who's worked in vocational ministry, and now as a person who pastors a community. The way of the bride has been messy, but she is still the bride. And I pray as we dissect her struggles that we'd be kinder in our actions, kinder in the way we speak about her brokenness, um, kinder about the way things have been fallen. Um, I'm praying for, I don't know, I guess in this season, I'm praying that we would be more slow to speak and quick to listen, that that thing would finally uh, be a thing again. Um, But last week, just in case you missed it, I kicked off this whole ways of the church season by talking through the ways of love. In a nutshell, if we don't really love God and love each other, honestly, we're kind of (laughs) screwed. We're up the creek without a paddle uh, with everything in between. Uh, If we don't get the whole loving people like Jesus thing, Um, and we don't get the whole loving Jesus thing right, more people are going to leave the church, more people are going to walk away from their faith, and the power of the church that was meant uh, to be will be non-existent. Um, Let me clarify that, power of the church. When I say a powerful church, I don't mean a church with cultural or political influence. I mean a church working in the power that is drenched in the power of the Holy Spirit, who loves people and draws people in the way Jesus did. That's what I mean when I say a powerful church. Just in case anyone out there uh, is internally freaking out and already uh, writing up a DM or an email. (laughs) What I'm saying is if our belief system doesn't look and feel like the way Jesus uh, loved people, then we're just flipping Pharisees. Rules and regulations done our way does not bring salvation. Uh, What they do is they bring 400 years of silence, uh, selfless sacrifice, loving people, seeing broken people, and then lovingly steering them towards wholeness is what brought salvation to the world. And that is the path I want to walk. That is the path I want to model because that is the path that Jesus walked. And I think that we have walked away from that in a way. I talked a lot about our identity and our purpose and how we're meant to love people and what it looks like. And I know, I know that I know that I know that there's people. I know that there are people that listened to that and went, oh, Chadi's turned into a hippie and she doesn't have a theology. And look, the only theology I have is Jesus um, and the Bible. That's all I got. I'm, I'm I'm not 
saying I'm a theologian, I'm just a person who loves God and has seen a lot of brokenness and a lot of people get broken in the process of loving Jesus. And all I want to do, man, is just kind of go back and look at what we did wrong so that we can do it right. And I'm not just saying that for me personally, I'm saying that for the Big C Church from its uh, beginning until now. The ways of the church should look like the ways of love. And it absolutely should look like the ways of the Spirit. And not any spirit. I'm talking about the Spirit of the Most High God, the Holy Spirit. I'm teaching, I'm teaching this weekend, okay, on the book of Ephesians. So, because here at my home church. And so I'm teaching this weekend on Ephesians. And I've been looking into the church of Ephesus because I'm preaching about Ephesians and how it housed uh, one of the uh, seven ancient wonders of the world. So the temple of Diana was in Ephesus and and, and how uh, there were people there who were like totally immersed in like the magical arts, right? And not like Harry Potter or whatever, but I mean like they believed in the power and protection that came from Diana or Artemis or whatever. So when Paul is writing to the church from prison, right? He's writing to people who struggle daily to see Jesus as their covering and their protection because their culture and society say that power comes from something else. I don't know about you, but that sounds a lot like us. And just like the church right now, where we find our power matters. And I feel like what we've been doing is we've been siphoning our fuel of our power from counterfeit fuels like social media, um, the media, uh, political parties, our freaking feelings, And the cost is astronomical. We are literally siphoning our fuel instead of from the Holy Spirit, instead of God, but from everything else that the culture says we should be taking our power from. From my experience, I can tell you that if we don't feel our lives correctly, we will hurt people and make things freaking weird. I grew up in a super Pentecostal church environment, um, which is good. It wasn't bad. I was just never able to invite my friends to church because it was like four hours long and the flags like scared people, Um, mainly the unchurched friends that I had as well (laughs) as the intense emotional outbursts by all the intercessors. Like it freaked people out. People wouldn't come to church with me. I would invite people and it wouldn't happen. This also meant, so that's like the eh, not so good part. But the really good part about growing up in this kind of environment is that the moments I experienced the presence of God were super real. They were super tangible and they were life-changing. Also, the worship experience was always on point. It just was like, like kind of drawn out. Um, there were countless Sundays that uh, we would worship well past the time we were supposed to and, uh, and that we should have because the spirit hadn't moved yet. <laughs> I can't even tell you how many times somebody said that, like the spirit hasn't moved yet. We're just going to wait on the spirit, see what he's going to do, which made me feel like as a young follower of Jesus, like, wait, so like, he's not here yet. Like you guys have been singing for two hours and he hasn't shown up yet. (laughs) Like it just kind of messed with me on like things that we have to do in order for the spirit to move. It was just like super messed up. And, but there were also moments where like, that were just amazing. Anyways, long story short, the messages were super heavy and intense and they were like drenched with like the age to come and revelations that it did not translate into my everyday life. Yet the community I built in that environment was the most authentic and life-giving, even though the Sunday experience was kind of weird. At 22, the church imploded. I was 22 years old, the church imploded due to issues with um, an internal struggle with the leadership and, of course, finances. You know, isn't that like always a thing? Anyways, for the sake of my like young marriage and the need uh, for like a healthy church and community, my husband and I found a new church and it just so happened to be the mega church in our city. 
Um, anyways, we visited it. That's a weird thing. I visited it. Uh, the church had a bomb Sunday experience. Um, yeah, man, it, I just, I remember that first Sunday, like it was yesterday. I could, oh man, it was like the message was so palatable for my life. It was awesome. I could absolutely leave every Sunday feeling like I had a firm understanding of the Bible and a way to apply it. And on top of that, the services were like an hour and 15 minutes, which was mind boggling to my Pentecostal mind. Um, to add even more goodness, I could totally invite my friends because it wasn't weird. <laughs> it was cool. It was forward thinking. Um, I was really, really proud to be um, a part of that church. And I was even more proud when Esteban and I came on staff at that church. But my Pentecostal days kept me appreciating uh, the, the new without throwing out the old. It kept me grounded in a world um, that made me really seek out a tangible experience, a moment that the megachurch didn't really facilitate. And I was totally okay with that. Can I just say that? The megachurch was like a harbor of safety um, for me. But like what I learned in my youth of how to pursue God in that Pentecostal church, um, it, it saved me in a lot of ways. Um, how do I go from here? So the church was good. Everything was great. It actually, it actually became a job, as many of you guys know. Um, it became a job. And the, the good thing about when you're working for a church is that it doesn't have to be the Holy Spirit because it is, it is a job. It was, it was never meant to be a clear path to the Holy Spirit for me. It was just an assignment and the community I was a part of. Now, I knew this. I've always known this. I've always understood... Um, I don't know, that the church is a tool, the fertilizer God uses to grow me. Uh, it is not the soil that God uses to grow me. The soil of my life is Jesus and his ways and his purposes for me and my family. Like, I always knew the church was a tool. It wasn't like, I wouldn't get mad if, like, I didn't get something out of the word or I didn't like the worship or just, like, dude, it was a tool for me to be a part of, to help invest in my city and um, impact people for good. Okay. So let me give you a few things about the Holy Spirit that I feel can help you as you navigate life. Chadi, why did you tell me all that stuff? Because it's super important to understand um, that I'm not coming at you as a person who doesn't understand the whole gambit of the church. I have been in the pendulum left and the pendulum right. Um, the only thing I haven't really been a part of is any of those weird documentaries and cult-like things that I see all the time. Anyways, never mind. I haven't been in the full pendulum. I've only been on those two. Anyways, going back. Also, I grew up Baptist. Does that count? No. Okay, moving forward. I really, so the Baptist, the Pentecostal, the megachurch. I haven't really been in the other weird ones. Anyways, so I think I have a pretty good understanding of the church and um, her brokenness and every bit and piece thus far. Um, but anyways, let me give you a few things about the Holy Spirit that I feel can help you as you navigate life and the various fueling stations. The reason I feel compelled now to share this part of my story um, and this whole stuff about the Holy Spirit, um, because if you don't know the Holy Spirit personally and intimately, you will live off of others' personal experience um, or fabricated, unbiblical experiences, <laughs> which leaves you hurt or hurting people. And when Jesus left the earth, he sent the Holy Spirit. And if we don't walk out our lives with a true understanding of this incredible gift, we will stay stuck in the cycle the church keeps finding itself in. The good thing I'm very thankful for is that I always sought the Holy Spirit. And if there was something that did not sit right, I didn't need somebody to tell me what the Holy Spirit was saying because I always really 
man, I, I, I sought God on my own. So let me say this first before anything. Like, you shouldn't be getting like your news from what God is doing, from your pastor, from your worship leader, from your boss, from a spouse. Like, you should be hearing from God on your own. It's important. If you're not, that's a problem. That's a problem. So, because then what's going to happen is if things don't go the way that you, expectations that you set, you're, you're, you're going to blame God because you looked at God through the filter of your leadership or authority or someone else. Like, I can't blame uh, anybody for the decisions I made in the last 20 years. Those decisions were mine. And it's because I heard from God and I believed that God told me to go and to stay and to move and to jump and do all the things that I did. Um, and it wasn't because somebody told me. And um, I'm very thankful that in my younger years, I was able to cultivate a fueling station directly in the right fuel and that my soil was firmly Jesus because I watched a lot of people get hurt in the process. Anyways, okay, here's a couple things that I want to share with you regarding the Holy Spirit. So, Chadi, what does it look like to be, uh, if we're the church and we're meant to look like the ways of the Spirit, what does that look like? Well, to me, I think the Holy Spirit looks like a burning bush. So we find Exodus 3. You got Moses, watch Prince of Egypt. It's awesome. Anyways, so like Exodus 3, we find Moses and it's awesome. He has this incredible um, experience with the burning bush. And to me, the burning bush has always been a reminder of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is meant to be a consuming fire, but it doesn't leave third-degree burns. It just draws people in with wonder. And what does it draw people in? To the voice of God, to the purposes of God, to the plans of God. God wants to draw you into his purposes and his plans. And not to burn you, but to draw you in so that he can talk with you and hang out with you and, like, and walk you towards wholeness. But like, we use the Holy Spirit to like... Not we. I'm not saying you do this. I'm not saying you specifically do this. I'm just saying, as the church, I have found that the whole we use the Holy Spirit in weird ways. And like, yeah, the burning bush was kind of strange, but it was also awesome and wonderful and awe-inspiring and supernatural. And like the thing that I love so much about Moses. So uh, in in Exodus three four it says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, so Moses goes to look at the bush. God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And five, it says, do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then Moses said, I, uh, no. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And then Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And so we find Moses, right? He's drawn in by God. He's drawn in and like exactly what the Holy Spirit does. It draws us closer to God. And God in his goodness says, dude, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I am, I am like, I got you on all sides, the Holy Spirit can be heard, seen, and felt, and our response should be reverence, not like screaming or lack of control. I love that he said, like he was afraid to look at God, but then he goes into this whole thing and he takes off his shoes and there's like this really beautiful, reverent moment. And it's like, dude, I just, I want to encounter the Holy Spirit in such a way that it's reverent. And it's kind of like, holy crap, this is happening. This is, this is kind of scary and incredible, but not in a way that feels chaotic. Like none of, none of this, as I read this, feels chaotic. If anything, it feels like God is speaking. There's no craziness. Like 
the ways of the Spirit, the ways of the Spirit don't look chaotic. Your church should not feel chaotic. The Holy Spirit is not chaotic. Someone once said uh, that um, the Holy Spirit isn't weird, that people are weird. And I, I just want to tell you that that's a real thing. People are flipping weird. Um, and, but the Holy Spirit is not weird. The Holy Spirit is a consuming fire that does not give third-degree burns. It draws people in with wonder. And so the other thing about the Holy Spirit that I love regarding this story is that it's meant to bring freedom to our lives and freedom to those we encounter. So we have Moses, dude. He's like freaking out. He takes off his sandals. He's like in total reverence. It's awesome sauce. God's giving him purpose. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It like speaks into our hearts. It speaks into our lives. And then what happens is... Not only does it bring a level of freedom to Moses, but then, it, like, dude, he goes to Pharaoh and he's like, yo, what up? And he brings freedom to the Israelites. Like, if the Holy Spirit in your life doesn't bring you to a level of freedom and other people to a level of freedom, that is not the Holy Spirit that you are working with because the Holy Spirit, it has to do, it's, it's like, it's like freedom stuff. So, yeah, I don't really know. If, you, if you're like, I, Chadi, I totally have the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm totally walking in the Spirit and led of the Holy Spirit and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know whose voice is like that. I just immediately saw that in my head. But if you're like, yeah, no, I'm totally led of the Spirit, but everything you do is chaotic. There, you don't have any freedom. You're still completely bound by all the things that you're still working through. Like, that's not the Spirit of God. I don't know what Spirit that is, but it's not the one of God. Like, Chadi, what do you mean? What I don't, what do you, dude, listen to me. The Holy Spirit is meant to help to bring freedom to our lives and freedom to those we encounter. If your church, you the church, not the building, not the platforms, but you as the church are not finding freedom in your life as you walk out these things with the Lord, then my friends, you're not experiencing the Holy Spirit and his power and in his awesomeness the way that you should. Yeah. Church of Ephesus, they it's like Paul's writing this letter. I'm 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 on this kick now because I'm preaching it this weekend, but like Church of Ephesus, it's all about like, like he's trying to explain to them that he's the one that's seated in power. And if Jesus, if the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, if the Most High God is not seated in your life in a place of power, things will be chaotic. Um, when you encounter the Holy Spirit, you'll be fearful instead of like excited and full of wonder. Um, and it won't, you won't feel free. If anything, you'll, free, you'll feel bound because you're doing it wrong. The other thing I love so much about, let's go back to the Moses story, that this Moses story does is that, oh man, oh my gosh. So Moses, God, I just want to like strangle him sometimes. He's like always asking God questions and kind of like freaked out. Like, I don't know if God came to me in a burning bush and he was like, hey, Chadi, take your sandals off. I don't think that I'd be like asking him detailed questions about like, so Lord, tell me how I'm going to do this. But Moses does that because he's a dummy. Anyways, so like he's freaking out. He's asking all these questions. And the thing that came popped out to me was that the Holy Spirit is available, not because we are worthy or because we're super anointed, because God is just good and kind and gracious. And so we find Moses and he's he's face to like literally with burning bush. God is there. It's awesome, right? And like God didn't show up because Moses was awesome. Nah, dude had a stutter. He had murdered somebody. Dude was not like super qualified, right? It was God in his goodness that called him out of that to really use his life with purpose, dude. 
The Holy Spirit isn't meant to be used for clout or to show people what a great person of faith you are. It's an arrow to Jesus, not an arrow to you. There's a lot of things I want to say and a lot of things that I feel like I shouldn't say. But the truth is the Holy Spirit's the one that opens doors. The Holy Spirit's the one that gives us the right words. The Holy Spirit is the one that, um, it's the arrow that pushes us back to Jesus. It's, it's what we encounter and in response we find freedom. And when we walk into rooms, others find freedom because of the Holy Spirit goes before us. The Holy Spirit can be heard, seen, and felt, and our response should always be reverence, not chaos. It's a consuming fire that doesn't leave third-degree burns. It just draws people in wonder. If you don't pursue the Holy Spirit for your safe, yourself, you'll get burned. That's the truth. If you don't pursue the Holy Spirit for yourself, you'll get burned. You won't hear from the Lord. Um, pride will guide your faith instead of the Holy Spirit. You'll tear others down instead of building them up. Um, you'll live from a place of striving to open doors instead of like waiting to see what God's going to do. You'll also give others the ability to do this because you don't know the Holy Spirit for yourself. So like you'll have people speaking into your life that shouldn't be speaking into your life because you don't have the discernment and discretion to realize what you or God are doing. And so I just want to encourage you today. Um, then let's just be a church that loves people. Let's be a church that is so rooted in the word of God and so filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that what we do is, is speak life and love and peace and joy. And I talk a lot about the fruits of the Spirit lately with friends and, um, and I said, I was telling a friend today, I said, you know, at the end of the day, these things are fruits, right? The fruits of the Spirit. Fruit is cultivated. So your soil matters. Your fertilizer matters. Your shade matters. The amount of sun matters. Whether you're potted matters. Whether you're rooted matters. Like, man, we're supposed to be producing these incredible fruits of the Spirit where people should encounter us and feel the Lord and feel peace and feel love and feel self-control. It's not chaotic. It's not weird. And in response, what they're feeling and what they're getting is not that. So I guess my question today to you is, what is the soil you were planted in? Is it Jesus? Is it the Word of God? Or is it your theology degree? I don't know. Is it... Is it Jesus or is it I'm just mad at everybody because the church screwed me over? I don't believe I don't believe in Jesus anymore. I have deconstructed my faith and now uh, my cheese sandwich is just crackers and cheese whiz. Like I don't, I don't know what you've deconstructed. I don't know what you've done, but I will tell you this: I know a lot of people are deconstructing their faith and they're no longer experiencing the love of God in ways that they did before because we were not producing the right fruit in our lives. And so I just want to encourage you to be led of the Spirit. You should be like a burning bush. You should draw people in. You should do it in a way that doesn't hurt people. And if you aren't doing that, then it's definitely not the Holy Spirit. So that's really all I got. Um, and I don't want to start crying again. So love you, weirdos.